Welcome to Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design, and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. In this episode, we are joined by Camille Kress, Vice President of Growth Labs for the retailer Adorme, and Declan McCormick, a retail client leader at BHDP, to offer their perspectives on the growing retail movement known as Clicks to Bricks, when a direct-to-consumer brand ventures into the world of physical retail. I am your host, Brian Trainer, a workplace strategist for BHDP, and I'll let our guests introduce themselves further. Thank you very much. Very happy to be a part of this. My name is Camille. I'm the VP of Growth Labs at Adormi. Adormi is a mostly e-commerce lingerie startup or, or company. Part of what I handle is our retail presence, which is very fairly new, six stores since 2018, basically. Gotcha. And also joining us from BHDP, Declan. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Yes, good morning, all. And uh, this is Declan McCormack. I am a retail client leader at BHDP. So happy to have Camille on board for this exciting discussion. Retail is my passion, which is why I'm here today. I've been in the category since I arrived here in the U.S. back in 1996, my passion for the category hasn't waned in the past 24 years. Thanks for that, Declan. So we're here to talk about something called clicks to bricks. And would you like to explain that for us? What, what is it that we're talking about, sir? So this is a, a term that's been out there for a while that's been widely used to describe digitally native direct-to-consumer or D2C retailers that have spread their wings to embrace physical retail. So Adore Me is a great example of that. Just to maybe give some background on the categories. One of the first was Warby Parker. They tested the physical retail waters initially with pop-up shops and even used a transformed school bus as a mobile store. And they opened their first physical store back in 2013. But what's interesting is that these stores now account for more than half of Warby Parker's revenue. Another good example would be Bonobos. They began opening showrooms. They call them guide shops, and they focus on providing a superior level of, of customer service. They, in fact, Brian called their associates ninjas, and thanks to the ninjas, they have seen in-store orders twice the size of online. So by virtue of having these physical stores, the, the takeout from the physical store is twice more than a typical online order. So part of the clicks to bricks is essentially something that may have started out, like you say, um, direct to consumer or e-commerce, and now they're actually going to physical location. So it's kind of the opposite in the retail world where there was this whole discussion about e-commerce eating the brick and mortar stores lunch, so to speak, and trying to put them out of business. But this is actually the opposite direction, digital stores making a physical presence. It is. It's almost a reverse action, if you will. And a lot of these brands are very unique brands and it's a very very innovative movement and it's definitely getting steam and we're seeing a lot more of these direct consumer brands actually opening physical stores and there are many many reasons for that very good thank you for that declan camille what brought adore me into this clicks to bricks arena like what was appealing about this category yeah that's a good question and a question that we actually get asked a lot because as Declan explained it is kind of an unnatural transition, not something that was very trendy a while back. And so for us, it's really 
two to three different reasons. The big one for us is Adore Me, since it's a lingerie brand, the product is really at the center of the experience and it's really what customers come to us for. We have a wide range of sizes, a wide range of styles, and it is very hard online to get a sense of what you're buying. And we do have a really big online community that completely trusts us and knows the brand and is able to purchase it online. But for a product like lingerie, it is also very important to be able to touch it, to try it on if you can. And that will convince the other part of our potential customer base to purchase with us. And for this, it's really something that is hard to do with e-commerce is the try on part, the touch the product, the know the product. And that's what led us to start opening stores and and getting our name physically out there so that the customers that are kind of against online buying because they're not sure what they're buying, they can see us, they can come into the store and they can try the product on. The second is that our our main competitor, which is in the United States, Victoria's Secret, has a ton of stores all across the United States. And in order to really compete with them, you know, an online presence didn't seem like it could be enough. And that's why we started going into retail is also to get our name out there next to Victoria's Secret so that it would be easier to switch some customers. And and one thing that's very interesting, I think, is Victoria's Secret in-store experience is pretty outdated. There's nothing modern. There's nothing new and exciting. It's really the basic retail experience. And the goal at Adore Me is to create a retail experience, an in-store experience that's really drastically different from what Victoria's Secret does. So that the customer understands the value of the brand and why, you know, we're a fair alternative to their usual purchasing habits. Yeah, that's interesting. You talk about the traditional retail experience. What's unique? What's different about the Adore Me experience? What have you guys been working on? Yeah, that's a good question. There's different things. Some of the main things that are different are going to be around first the design of the store and then the actual experience. The design of the store is particularly important for lingerie and everything that's really close to the body and that's really intimate. It's an intimate product. And so, for example, Victoria's Secret store, it's really dark. It looks really sexy. It's kind of like a boudoir type of feel. And that didn't fit at all with our understanding of what lingerie is for and why women buy lingerie. It was very important for us that in the design of our stores, when you enter our store, you you don't feel intimidated. You don't see beautiful models wearing products and, you know, you don't look like that. And so we wanted to create a comfortable atmosphere, something where you feel welcome, you don't feel judged. Mm. And so this goes through the design of the store where we chose light colors. It's never dark in there. It's more neutral tones. And it goes through also the, the customer experience and, and the way we We look for our associates. We always look for friendly, confident, kind of dynamic sales associates to really put you in a good mood when you're shopping, which is a really tough product to shop for, lingerie. You know, it's uncomfortable. It's really not a great experience in general. And so the idea is just to make sure that you're not having the worst time of your life while you're shopping with us. That seems to be a good reflection of your online presence because, you know, I went in anticipation of talking to you on the website. I noticed there was a lot of body diversity as well as like ethnic diversity. So it was like uh, trying to represent as many different females as possible so anyone could see themselves in the narrative or in the product, I suppose. Absolutely. We tested different things. And in store, we did a few stores where there are absolutely no pictures so that actually, you know, you don't even need to see a picture of this product. You have it right in front of you. You can try it on. You don't need to see what it looks like on a model. 
And in our other stores, there are pictures, but of different women, different sizes, different occasions. And our mannequins in the store are different colors. So the idea is really to show inclusivity, which is one of our key values at Adore Me. That's great. Declan, what drove you to this category, specifically clicks to bricks? Because I know you're very excited about it. We've talked before offline. Yeah, I've been following this for a few years, Brian. And I think, honestly, it was my son who brought my attention to the movement. He's a Gen Zer and a business guy. And at the time, he just discovered Bonobos. And he was shopping online for their men's apparel products. So he suggested I try it out. So I started, I did, and I really liked the experience and the product. I'm thinking maybe his secret reason for doing this was to get me to up my wardrobe game. He but had that, ulterior motive, right? He, I think he did. I think he did. Retail, it's really all about evolution and innovation. And this, to me, really seemed like a very exciting example of evolution um, in a really challenging marketplace. So I guess I put on my Warby Parker reader glasses and I started to study the category some more. And... <laughs> And also, I, uh, every time I travel, I travel quite a bit to another city, I'd always make a point to visit any Clicks to Bricks stores in the area. At the time, they were usually located in the Northeast, Northwest, South and Northern California, Chicago. And then they began to pop up in some of the cool and hip cities in between, probably where their shopper base was located. But primarily, I guess, once I got into it more then, I... I was interested in how the online brands express themselves in store and then how they translated the brand from their online tone of voice to the brick and mortar setting, which is a much different environment. Yeah, and that dovetails nicely to what I was thinking to ask Camille. What's your journey been like to go from online to brick and mortar? So it was actually quite an adventure going from purely e-commerce to going to retail. E-commerce for us, we've always been in an office. Everybody's working side by side in an office. You want to change something on the website, you click and then you see the difference. You can track everything. And and as soon as we opened our first store, we realized what a black box it is. And we, you know, we were like, oh my goodness, we don't actually know what's going on there unless we're in there. And that was a drastic difference for us. We really had to adapt a lot of our processes to make sure that we knew what was going on. We knew why performance was the way it was. We knew whether the merchandising, the visual merchandising was done the way we expected it to be. So that was a big, big learning curve, which you know now we're completely comfortable with. But I think that was the biggest shock for me at the time. But what was really great as soon as we opened our first store was meeting our customer face-to-face for the first time. Before that, I mean, we, we did have a few focus groups and we were in, in the habit of sending surveys to our customers, but we never had the opportunity to spend so much time with our customer, learn from her in-store behavior, what she likes, what she likes less, and really get a lot of amazing feedback from the sales associates about our customers are trying products on, what do they like, what do they like less, what are they asking for, and all this information It's information that is really hard to get online, nearly impossible. And so that's one of the key things that we're so grateful for today with these stores is that we have this huge pool of knowledge about our product, our brand, and where it's going next that the stores are bringing to us and that we didn't really have online, and and it is tough to get. Sure. And that's easier, that interactive, you know, building trust, looking people in the eye, asking them real questions. That that must have been a wealth of information. Just to add on to that, because the challenge, Camille, you mentioned of taking the journey from pure online to in-store 
certainly is a difficult challenge because digital brands, they're extremely adept with the online platform. They're masters at gathering shopper data and usually have a team of like data scientists building the strategy and not so much store designers. But taking an online brand to brick and mortar brings a whole new set of challenges that they haven't experienced before. And Camille, you mentioned operational, inventory, dealing with customers in person for the first time, managing a network of stores. It's a much different challenge than the pure direct consumer online business. Absolutely. And it's really completely different what our, our store processes, experience, even design look like today when we opened our latest store, which was about nine months ago, versus when we opened our very first store. And when we opened our first store, we got so much learning out of it, you know, thinking, oh, actually, we do need bigger fitting rooms or we need a different light in the fitting room and we don't need this type of fixture. We need that type of fixture just from building this first store operating it for a couple of months, and then from that, deciding how to adapt the design of the second store, of the third store, and seeing things that we wanted to test that we hadn't thought of in the beginning. So it really has been a great learning curve and, and super interesting. Additive design, what is it, appreciative inquiry? What did we learn from the last one that we can carry forward to the next? Instead of just building a standard and sticking to it, that's fascinating. So Declan, if there is a brand out there, because you expressed some challenges and Camille talked about it when they first opened it, realizing it was a black box. They used to have this instant feedback and data. So if a brand is currently direct to consumer only, why would they consider going to physical retail? There's quite a few benefits. Camille mentioned, first of all, from the consumer's perspective, it gives the shopper the chance to experience the brands and the product in person something that they can't do online. But I guess from the retailer's perspective, it really increases their brand visibility. And in many cases, it'll actually have the effect of boosting online sales through that increased visibility and awareness created by the physical stores. The bigger point here might be that, like Camille mentioned, there's a learning curve and these brands start off as digital only, but they've been using the digital online platform to cultivate the brand initially. You know, unless you're like the Amazons of the world, customer acquisition and brand awareness reaches a, a plateau, if you will. It kind of hits a wall at a certain point. And then, you know, the early adopters like Bonobos, Warby Parker, they learned that the best way to then continue the acquisition process with new customers and grow the brand further was to add physical retail stores. The addition of these stores, physical stores, has a reverse effect and actually increases online sales because of the increased visibility and brand awareness garnered by opening physical stores. Thanks for that, Declan. Camille, were you involved in the process of opening that first retail store? Yeah, absolutely. And actually for retail at Adormi in the beginning, so two years ago, the team was myself and myself. So because <laughs> we, it was still just a project, you know, it was fairly new. And so opening that first store, I think, by myself and kind of asking people from other teams to come and help, I think it took me a ridiculous amount of time compared to like today when we open a store, it takes us five days. And at the time, I am ashamed to tell you how long it took, but um, it was not optimized. So if you had the opportunity to go back in time and talk to yourself opening that first store, you know, what would you have done different? What did you learn through that process of opening the first store? I think there was a lot of learnings around actually dealing with the physical product. Before that, the only time we've actually dealt with the physical product was in our warehouse where we have 
a ton of really smart processes. And, and here we had this four walls that was our store and a shipment of so much inventory to put and, you know, put in the back, but also put on display in a pretty way. And now we have a strong process to manage all of this in a much easier way. And, and this for sure, I would have redone. Sure. So it's like that volume of not just display, but proper storage of because it has to look nice when people come in to see it. Which is really the the big difference between brick and mortar and online is brick and mortar. You have a certain amount of space in which you have to fit a certain number of products. And online visual identity you give to your products is on pretty pictures on a website, which is very easy to rearrange. And and that was one of the big learnings with stores as well is really how to manage the space and this inventory that you actually have to deal with, with in a real way now. Very good. Thanks for that, Camille. Declan, I know that BHDP's done a considerable amount of research around specifically this topic of clicks to bricks. So tell me about that research. What did BHDP do around clicks to bricks? You bet, Brian. As I delve deeper into the category, I realized that there wasn't much data out there about consumers who shopped both on a brand's digital online and its physical retail stores, because I was trying to connect the dots. So what we did was we initiated some research to learn more about shoppers online and then their in-store behaviors. We engaged an independent online market research firm, and we gathered input from a thousand shoppers from across the country. And we collected information on age, education, employment, income level, and so on for shoppers above 18 who had experience shopping either online or in a retail store from a list of the established Clicks of Bricks retail brands at a time. And the brands that we selected were from the clothing, eyewear, cosmetics, jewelry, intimate apparel, and sleep product retailers that had moved recently into the uh, brick and mortar space. Some of these brands included, obviously, Adore Me was in the mix, Alex and Annie, Allbirds, Atleta, Blue Nile, Bonobos, Casper, Everlane, Glossier, Indochino, Third Love, Untucket, and then Warby Parker. So we picked, I guess, some of the early adopters and some of the new newer entries into the market. You know, there were three objectives mainly. Uncovering the influences and differences in shopping behaviors when shopping on a brand's online site and at their brick and mortar retail stores. The second then was key was understanding click-to-brick shopper perceptions relative to the translation of a digitally native brand from online to offline. And then the key for me then was to identify opportunities to enhance the in-store experience and then better align that with the online brand experience. That was the process and they were the key goals of the of the research. And you had a thousand respondents. You were able to do some demographic parsing of the data through that as well? Like, were you able to see different trends by age group? Yeah, we were able to analyze all that data across each of these different brands and really get a better sense for how shoppers like to shop in a physical environment that was once to them purely an online environment. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Were there any like big aha moments from that research or things that maybe even you didn't expect? Or was it just a validation of a theory that you might have had? Well, I guess it was a combination of both. There was validation because after my two years of research on the topic, I guess I had a pretty good handle, but I really wanted to confirm for myself that some of these things were true. What's funny is that a lot of shoppers who typically shopped online 
given the choice to shop in-store, would definitely go with that. In fact, 50% of online shoppers actually prefer to shop in-store. You know, Camille mentioned the ability to actually touch, feel the product. That was very, very important. I wasn't surprised by that, but versus the online experience where you can't do that, they want to be able to compare and confirm product specifics, fit, color, texture, size, and so on. But a big thing that kind of resonated here in the research was personalized service, something that you can't really get online. Obviously, you can get the, the pop-up message, but shoppers really want this one-on-one -on -one attention with the associate. And more than half said that they would visit stores for this particular reason. And also, I was surprised that the ease of shopping online, we all know about, but shoppers were actually willing to travel to a physical store and quite a distance, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes travel time to a store, and 74% that they would spend 30 minutes getting to a store, which to me was interesting. Yeah, that's, that's quite the journey just to be able to touch and feel and get an idea of what they're interacting with, yeah? And there is one more thing I should add here. This was the confirmation that, of something that we heard before, is that 68% of those shoppers, if they had just, if their first experience was in store with that brand, they shopped online afterwards. So that, again, that reinforced the fact that by opening these physical stores, it increases the brand awareness and it increases the customer base, but it also then actually increases both in-store sales and online sales, interesting enough. Yeah, I think I read the increase in sales came at a multiplier of almost two and a half or something like that. Is that right, Correct. or did I make that number up? Yeah, yeah it, it, um, there's a, a couple of examples out there with Bonobos and Warby Parker. There's significant uptake in the overall business after the physical stores have been opened. It's got this positive effect across the board, both in-store and online. So, Camille, so you guys started as an e-commerce company, so you had some understanding of a certain type of technology. How have you used technology to address some of the challenges in the physical environment? That's an excellent question. And, you know, more than just the fact that we were e-commerce in our brand and company DNA, we really focus on, on technology and data, and it's a really important part of our DNA in general. And so when we open stores, there's two types of technology that we included. The first technology is the one that I, I kind of hinted to earlier, is the one that helps us make stores not be a black box. So anything that will help us gather data. It's not customer-facing technology, it's technology for us. And so we have different things in our store that helps us understand what the shopper behavior is like, where the shopper goes in the store, how long they stay in there, what the conversion rate is, everything that gives us way more feedback about what's happening in there than just kind of operating them in the traditional sense. So that's the first type of technology. The second type is going to be the customer-facing type. And there we've really tested different things that we currently have in our stores and that we're really happy with. The first main customer pain point that we wanted to address is the fitting room experience. And it's so, so important especially for lingerie. Our conversion rate, when somebody goes, a customer goes into the fitting room, goes times five or six versus when somebody just browses and doesn't try on the product, they'll buy, they're, six to, they're five to six times less likely to purchase. Um, so we knew that there was something to do there. But we've also gotten a lot of customer feedback that, you know, for example, at Victoria's Secret and, or in other stores, the fitting room 
experience is really terrible, basically. You know, having to get half naked, if not entirely naked, to try on bras and panties in a tiny room where it's either too hot or too cold and the lighting is horrible. And there are a million reasons why it's a horrible experience in general, and even more so with a product that is so close to the skin, and even more so with a product where the sizing is not easy. It's not like taking a t-shirt and you know that you're a size medium. With bras, you usually have to try on multiple sizes to find the right one because it depends of the shape of the bra, of the padding level, etc. And so it is a product where you're going to need more than one product brought to you. And so being half naked in the fitting room, waiting for somebody to bring you a product, waiting for a sales associate to be present to ask her, or having to get dressed again and go back out. All of this creates a terrible experience for anybody. And so that's one of the things that we wanted to address first. And we found different ways to solve it. So one of the ways in three of our stores, we have smart mirrors where on the mirror directly, you can order more sizes, more colors. And the sales associate is going to get a notification on her phone saying, you know, fitting room number three is asking for a 34B in this color. And so the sales associate will go in the store, get it for the customer and bring it directly. And so the customer didn't have to kind of wait around, you know, with the door half open, waiting for somebody to show up to ask for an extra size. And obviously for us, it's great because while she's looking for this bra, the sales associate can also add on other bras that she thinks based on this request, you know, that she thinks the customer will like. So it really enables us to really cater to the needs of the customer while the customer is trying on in the fitting room and not having to worry about having to step out. So that's one of the ways we solve this. And another interesting piece of technology that we have is a body scanner for all the customers that are not necessarily comfortable with being sized and measured by a sales associate. We do have a lot of customers that prefer to kind of stay away, especially now with COVID, this is particularly relevant. So it's a body scanner in which it does a 3D scan of your body and it's going to measure your exact bra size and your exact panty size without having anybody touch you or anybody, you know, talk to you. So this we've seen a lot of success with. It means that you can step on this, wait a couple of minutes, and up you have your size and you can go get the bras for you. So that's also been very helpful with some of the customers that are more reluctant to either try on or to get measured. Oh, that's fascinating because that would take a lot of the anxiety out of it. It really does. And and it has this kind of fun, new, modern, even futuristic component to it where we've seen customers kind of be you know amazed by this technology, which it's kind of something you see in gyms. But you don't see this in traditional retail and not in, you know, kind of in a feminine, intimate product. And I think finding a way to marry the two, the very futuristic technology with such an intimate product is is a key to our success in stores. I love the fact, Camille, the way you use the word experience so much. That's so important because it is about the personal experience, but also about how you're leveraging technology, not just for technology's sake, but to deal and to create a better experience, a better private experience for your shoppers. That is amazing. Apart from that, your stores are not plastered with monitors and so on, because often, I guess, um, in retail, we see sometimes the overuse of technology in a space. Sometimes it's used for technology's sake, but I believe it's got to be experience-related and meaningful. And in the clicks to bricks format, store footprints are, are typically smaller than other retailers. And usually there's possibly a chance, Brian, to implement some level of technology to bolster the selection process because with a smaller footprint, often there are less SKUs available, less colors available. 
So maybe there's a, a chance to, to virtually enhance the selection process to visualize more SKUs, but in a very private way and a very non-overuse of technology way. And then secondly, we, we heard from the research that these in-store shoppers crave the personal attention of the associates. We also heard some important information that shoppers actually want to work with the in-store associate to fulfill their order online in-store. So they want to leverage their knowledge of the platform and virtually, you know, that, that's their virtual shopping bag, if you will. Yeah, thanks for that. I guess if you could give your advice on any direct-to-consumer brand considering opening a physical store, but maybe they're still reserved, and probably COVID is having a big impact on why they would resist that, but looking towards the future, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about opening that physical store? Well, Camille mentioned some of their learnings as they started to open stores, and it's getting to know your in-store shopper. That can be a different approach than your online shopper. So my advice or our advice here, Brian, from the research is that if you're going to, you know, put your foot in the water is that you need to know your shopper and understand how they make in-store shopping decisions versus their online habits. And then, you know, create an environment that's seamless and overlays then what the online brand, because what you want to do is you want to create this cohesive brand environment something that connects the online space to the physical space. And you know, all the data that's available about online shoppers is super, but I, I do believe you need to apply a, a different filter to learn you know, how shoppers really behave in store. Camille, I love what you said there. You mentioned that you're using technology to understand how your shoppers actually navigate the space and what their journey is and what their experience is. And I think that's amazing because really it's all about creating the brand experience in an authentic way that really solves for your individual shoppers. And really, again, Brian, it's, it's trying to create that connection between online and the in-store brand. They should not be separated. This has been exciting and informative to me. I just wanted to give you the opportunity, though. Was there anything you'd like to share, anything we didn't talk about? I would add, actually, to what Declan just said about the one piece of advice for anybody thinking about entering the retail space, I think the first major one is flexibility. I think to Declan's point of online and offline customers are not necessarily the same and really catering to the offline customer. I think it's extremely important that whatever you do is not necessarily set in stone because you might open your first store with a few ideas in mind of how your customer is going to behave. And then you might be really surprised by what actually happens and how your shoppers actually interact with the product, with the store, with the brand. And so I think it's fundamental to test and learn and come up with solutions as you go and, and tweak your concept as you go. I think that's the first thing I would recommend. And then the second thing I would say is I think it's important to really create a differentiating experience. I think we, we have a ton of stores in the U.S. and there's a ton of brands. And I think it's important when you go into retail to think about what you're bringing to the market and what you're bringing to the customer. And so trying to think about if your product already exists out there, if a store selling the same thing already exists out there, why are you different and why is a customer encouraged to come to you instead of another brand? I think that's important to try to really differentiate yourself. Camille, if I can add to the flexibility point, I think that that's a great point because now in this time of the pandemic, we're hearing too that from some retailers that, that they feel that they've been too 
inflexible over the years. And this has taught them the lesson that things are changing and we don't know what's next and when it'll come, but we got to be ready for that. And traditionally, our store formats have been have been pretty rigid. And I love the fact that, Camille, you're thinking about that because the comment we're hearing too right now from some retailers that have been able to reopen is that, you know, should I invest in solutions that I think might apply right now based on what we know about COVID and, and or should I wait? And that's a very, very difficult position to be in. But if we factor in more flexibility in our initial store design, that makes us better able to adjust on the fly as other things may happen along the way, or as this thing changes direction, if you will. And then you mentioned differentiated experience, and that's absolutely critical. And I love the fact that you said that because we need to tailor our in-store experience to our shopper. We need to garner all the information we can about them and learn from them and really make it feel personal to them like it's their store. Yeah, that experience really lends to everything because one bad experience can turn you off forever to maybe even someone that you're brand loyal to. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions presented by BHDP for this episode from Clicks to Bricks with Camille Kress, Vice President of Growth Labs with Adormi and Declan McCormick, Retail Client Leader with BHDP. If you appreciate what you've heard, please rate, subscribe and give us a review. I am Brian Trainer, your host, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design.